This episode is brought to you in part by Our Daily Bread Ministries. Experience the joy and freedom that comes from a faith that perseveres. Check out Unshakable Moxie, growing a resilient faith at unshakablemoxie.com from Our Daily Bread Ministries. Visit unshakablemoxie.com. You're listening to episode 176, True Love Waits, of the In Between podcast, where you'll discover the tools to build a marriage and family that you love. My name is Daniel M. And I'm Christina M. Do you remember that tagline, Daniel, True Love Waits? Yep. <laughs> I remember wanting that purity ring so badly oh my, and hinting at ring. it to my parents, but they never got it for me. Yeah. The number of books that all that that phrase <laughs> mm-hmm. and all the books that are starting to flash back that I read as a teenager about purity culture and not kissing until you get married, right. how that didn't last for it's us. It's not dating no. versus courting, right? <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. How long did we last when we started dating? I before? don't know if we want to say Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> not too long. <laughs> no, no. Kissing came early for us, way before we were engaged. Yes. Okay. But today, bringing to today's topic, we are interviewing the Canadian certified counselor and a friend of ours, Nadine Crane, about navigating the impact of growing up in purity culture now that we're parents who have kids who are teens. Yeah, tweens and teens. Yeah, tweens and teens. <laughs> yeah. If you're like us, perhaps you realize there are some good aspects to the purity culture we grew up in, but there's also some really negative side effects to that culture that we don't actually want to pass on to our children. But if we're not going to pass on our past, what do we pass on instead, mm-hmm. right? Well, Nadine is going to help us understand and explore the origins and effects of purity culture, highlighting how it is emphasized abstinence and tied a person's worth to their sexual purity. She emphasizes the need to develop a healthier relationship with our bodies and suggests affirmations to reteach and relearn this perspective. We cannot wait to share this episode with you because it yeah. has helped us a lot. Mm-hmm. Now, before we jump in, let me tell you a little bit more about Nadine. Nadine is a Canadian certified counselor with a master's degree in marriage and family therapy. She is a pastor's wife and has served in ministry with her husband, Brandon, for the past 13 years. They live in Edmonton, Alberta, and have three daughters. Her passion is helping Christians connect their mental, emotional, and spiritual health with how they live and experience their bodies. In her counseling practice, Nadine works with couples and individuals who are struggling with anxiety, emotional regulation, recovering from religious trauma, or struggling with sexual intimacy and communication. She also offers premarital counseling and presentations for church groups. While completing her master's degree, Nadine chose to research how purity culture has impacted the self-esteem, sexuality, and spirituality of evangelical women. You see why we asked her to be on this episode? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Her findings from that project have inspired the trajectory of her counseling practice and ministry. Well, thank you so much, Nadine, for joining us on our In Between podcast. Let's jump in. Well, Nadine, thank you so much for joining us on the In Between podcast. We are so excited to have you here talking about navigating the impact of purity culture on parenthood. So welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. 
Yeah, us too. So our first question is, because we don't want to assume, podcast family, that maybe you're even familiar with the topic. Some of us have maybe grown up in this culture and some of us haven't. So Nadine, if you don't mind, could you describe what purity culture is and what are its origins? Yes. So um, with purity culture, their purity has obviously been a a topic in the church for a long time. Um, But referring to purity culture means more um, around 1993 time um, with the True Love Waits movement. That was kind of the big kickstarter of purity culture. And and so that was in the in the southern states that started but it quickly went across the states north america and many countries uh over a hundred countries is where it expanded to um so the true love waits campaign was based on kind of fighting against the sex ed that was starting to be more popular in the public schools um so that was um a way of trying to reinforce abstinence only sex education um so that led to um, books and Bible studies. And, you know, there was um, just a big kind of wave of this because people responded it so well, so well and churches mm-hmm. all wanted the information, right? It became a big, a big deal. Um, so it, uh, yeah, it quickly became one of the most prominent, like, you know, especially for teenagers, for youth groups, it became one of the most prominent uh, things to teach about and books to read things like that yeah why why do you think so like why why do you think it got so popular um i think for one it it was um you know presented as this is a way to um you know to to please god right and and it being as uh you know scripturally sound and um this is the way to be a good christian right mm-hmm. but also mm-hmm. i believe there was a lot of fear around um sex in general and pregnancy outside of marriage that was a statistic that was happening that mm-hmm. the true love campaign that's one of the things they said they were trying to work against was higher you know rates of pregnancy outside of marriage so there's that fear of sex and I'm not sure that the, you know, parents or leaders back then were, you know, comfortable, well-equipped to talk about, um, you know, that like the, the messiness and the individualness of each teenager's, you know, way that they learn about and questions they have about sex. So I think that purity culture or the true love campaign at the beginning was, uh, you know, kind of a easy fix, right? Hmm. Which I can understand them grasping onto. It was a way that like, okay, this will this will solve the problem, you know. Um, yeah. So then, so then, when you fast forward the effect of that or the result of that among those who grew up with this teaching, how do you find decades later this has affected Christians and and those who who grew up with this teaching? Um, well, one of the, I, actually, I guess I should give a little bit of the kind of the main, I guess, the teaching. So. The main things that purity culture, the messages were um, really highlighting marriage as the ultimate goal. So it was, you know, as a Christian, marriage is the your the thing to attain to. Um, mm. And if you stay pure, if you stay sexually pure, you will get a, a great marriage, a great spouse, have mm. a great sex life. That's, you know, that was the kind of the, 
the promises. I don't think that was stated at the beginning, but as it evolved, that that became the message around it. Right. Um, and then with that, the um, especially for women, um, it was quite targeted at female teens that their their worth was tied to their sexual purity. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that that was a big message, probably one of the more harmful ones that stuck with um, a- adult women now. And then, and then, of course, in in general, sex being the enemy, you know, like it, like so, purity culture, mm. um, it really presented having sex, or you know, sex is the enemy. And so, what what all can we do mm. to stay away from this and to to keep ourselves um, spiritually right with God? Mm. And so, yeah. for um, you know women and and i'm sure men as well in now in marriage and as adults it's it's hard to, to just switch you can't really just switch your how you feel about that or what you think god maybe thinks about that when mm-hmm. it's been taught yeah. that way um so so that that is pretty um and i've i've read about it i've you know i've, I've known people about this that it's been quite damaging in marriages um, mm-hmm. for intimacy, um, but then also individually for just, you know, our own relationship with our body um, mm-hmm. and being able to trust, you know, being able to listen to our body because our body is very yeah. connected to the, the evil thing that, you know, that sex, right? So the way that purity culture mm-hmm. may have presented it or that it was understood at least. Yeah. Um, so then that disconnection from, our own desires and our body um, has been a negative uh, impact as well. Yeah, I would agree with that just even in my own life. Like I grew up uh, in the true love weight sort of era. And um, I think my parents really caught on to it. I can't really speak for the church, but I think maybe as collectively parents latched onto it because they were afraid of uh, talking about sex. Like they didn't, I to this day I cannot remember them talking about what sex actually is. And so they were in one way I think thankful that the school would have that discussion but on the other hand it wasn't lining up with the Christian values that we had at home. So when this came out in our youth group uh was all about it then I remember like books would show up on my desk no one would say anything but like the Joshua Harris I kissed goodbye would show up on there. Uh, I know my dad I think bought I don't even think they had DVDs at the time like CDs or V VHS and would hand it to me, not even hand it, just put it on my desk <laughs> and it would show up. And so that was kind of the way that they would talk about sex to me through this like distance. Mm-hmm. And I do, Nadine, like you were talking about, I've had many discussions with uh, my friends as uh, Daniel and I got married early and some of them did as well of like, wait, so all of a sudden before like sex was, as you were saying, evil and dirty and you're not supposed to do it, but you put this ring on your finger and then all of a sudden all of these like magical things are supposed to happen and you are supposed to be gifted this wonderful, um avenue of expressing your love to your spouse and it didn't always work like that and there's always different complications and whatnot and then there was shame of like what am i doing wrong right like i followed this purity culture true love weights to a t but then why aren't i having 
the greatest sex that we were promised. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot of um, backlash against it too, because we don't necessarily want to teach our children that A plus B equals C, because maybe it didn't reflect upon us. So Nadine, as our podcast audience knows, our podcast family knows um, that you're a therapist. And so for those that of us who grew up in purity culture, like myself, um, what would you hope that we would learn about our bodies and what would you hope that we would learn um, as we try to maybe navigate away from everything that the true love waits purity culture said one of the one of the biggest things that i um and and especially for my research that i did was you know for people to know that uh shaming sex it it's it doesn't, so it doesn't actually stop, right? Obviously people continue to have sex, right? It, it doesn't stop that. Mm-hmm. But it, what it does is it separates, like we separate our spiritual self and our physical sexual self. Like um, we do anything we can to try and separate those things when we believe mm-hmm. it's bad. And so, um, you know, to bringing those back together, there's so three, the three main things I, that I hope that um, clients and even listeners here, anyone trying to um, bring bring those two back together, right? To have that kind of more holistic health would be to know that um, that your body is is good, you know, mm-hmm. that your body um, that God created it in His image, that that it is good, um, and that you know that includes your sexuality, right, as part of it. Um, also that your body is holy. So I think that is one of the biggest things that is is hard for Christians to put together is can sex be seen as holy? Like, you know, like is, is this a spiritual thing or is it something we just do separately that God says we're allowed to do, you know? <laughs> and so it's, you know, cuz I think it really there's so much we are missing out on when we we're not able to see the theological, um, you know, beautiful things in, in, within sex and marriage. And so knowing that, um, our body and our sexuality is holy. Um, and then the last thing is our body is a friend and not, not a foe, right? We, Mm. from, with, from many avenues, right. We're, we're taught to kind of, we're like, it's like, we're fighting against our body, right. Whether it be, um, weight loss, whether it be um, just even sickness and illness. And we kind of, we set ourselves up. It's like, we're against our body. Like, oh, I need Mm. to make my body do this. I need, oh, like, why, why is my, why is this acting up? And instead of um, when we, when we view our body as ourselves, right? Not something we're against. um, It's being able to tune in, right? And Mm. say, recognize, oh, my body's a friend. Maybe my body is trying to communicate something to me, right? With the, right. Oh, you know, these pains or these, this anxiety, what, what is it, you know, what is it my body is trying to, to say and how it's, it really is our bodies are a, one of our best resources that we have, you mm. know, for, for, for health and knowing ourselves. So those, those would be the three, three of the main things. Yeah. 
Right. Could you talk a little bit more about um, what it means to like befriend our body or you're saying be friends with your body? I think at, not just in purity culture, like you're saying in diet culture, in um, workout culture, it's like you're beating your body into submission. Like you have control over it and it does, it, it definitely seems like we're enemies. And so what does that even um, look like or how would we even start to become friends with our body when we can't even look ourselves in the mirror and be like, oh, wow, like you look good. Yeah. Um, I think on, on the, so on the most basic level, um, and, and so some people may need this step and some people may not, um, there, there is like the recognition, this is my body. So, um, when we when we kind of set ourselves against our body so much, we tend to look at our body as an object, right? Mm. And that's where we can critique it and, and criticize it. And we're, you know, we're making comments about our body as if it is not us ourselves, right? So that that part of um recognizing and 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 some and it's simply even repeating to yourself, right? As you look in the mirror or as you sit, you know, like this is my body, you know, you know, and it sounds, it sounds silly. A lot of this stuff would feel or sound silly, but it's you, you you're having to kind of re reteach yourself. Right. And, and mm -hmm. relearn that. Okay. This is like, I'm, this is my body. This is my friend. Um, I can trust my body, you know, like, like to a certain extent, at least enough to listen and see what my body is saying. Mm. Um, so that, that would be the first of just acknowledging, recognizing that this is, you know, this is your body and not an object to criticize or it's separate. Um, and then from there, it's, um, learning how to communicate. So, so this will feel, this will sound strange to some, but commute. So if you're say you're feeling anxious or an emotion is rising up. Um, and you know, for those that are, um, familiar with, you know, trauma and different things of how our body reacts, we know that, you know, sometimes we have responses that are not about the surrounding. So mm -hmm. our bodies may be saying we're in danger, we're in danger, you know, and you know, we're not actually in danger, you know, something may have just triggered that feeling. And so being aware of that is a, be having the ability to, to, whether you say it in your, you know, out loud or in your head, um, thank you for, you know, trying, thank you for trying to protect me. Um, mm. but you know, we're, we are safe or, you know, I'm safe and, you know, like we can, we can relax and, you know, take some deep breaths, right. It's, it's being aware of, there is a communication that's trying to happen between, you know, your nervous system, your, your, the, basically the memories, right. Or traumas your body has, and then what is happening in the present. Um, so mm. simple communication to whether just even in your mind being like, you know, I am safe. I, I, I thank you for trying to warn me, but, um, you know, you can relax. <laughs> and so, um, so that, that's kind of a, an example that I think a lot of people could relate to of, of, you know, certain emotions rising up. Sometimes the emotions would be right. Like, oh, there is something, you know, and when that happens, we, we, we just usually react and do it, but how often do we kind of feel like, Oh, like, I'm so thankful that, um, my body would like responded like it did so that I could, mm. you know, react how I needed to. Um, 
we talk about thankfulness a lot as Christians, right? And and how how beneficial that is in so many areas of our life. Um, and that that applies here too, but with just being you know thankful for um, specifics about our body and especially what we're able to do, right? Because of our body, um, not not just it looks a certain way, but you know I can. I can walk around, I can, you know, I can hug my kids, I, you know, the different things we can do. Um, the awareness of that helps us to realize we, when we think of ourselves, like when we kind of trick ourselves to think that we can be spiritual without, <laughs> without our bodies, right. it's kind of the reminder of, oh, like, I wouldn't be able to worship, I wouldn't be able to read my Bible, I, you know, all the things like, I actually need my body to to be spiritual, you know, like that our body mm. encompasses all of that. So recognizing those things and being thankful um, is a part of that building, building back that relationship with your body. I, I love that. And I love how you've given us examples. Cause at, at first, as when you, when you said, talk to your body, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you what are you talking about? I, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> Can't I just think it? But as you were going through the examples, I, I could really see how helpful that would be, especially if you've grown up with these other ways of teaching and other ways of thinking and, and this this notion that yeah, our bodies are evil or our bodies are against and, and we need to repress or we need to put it away and we need to separate ourselves. So so it's interesting. There's there's always that phrase that people throw around, right? They're like, oh, you're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. And and it's this whole sense, even with purity culture, is like, oh, purity culture is bad because, you know, we now think of this or or because it's led to this. And and, and I have friends who are still single because of, of, of that influence. And, and we hear all of these thoughts and and we have friends and we hear stories and experiences so there's there there seems to be a lot of pushback against that especially those who've grown up in the purity culture and and practiced it and and now for Christina and I who both grew up in this uh as parents and as parents of teenagers there's this sense of okay well we need to talk to our kids about sex we need to talk about sexuality so what advice can you give parents who uh to, to navigate this tension right this navigate this tension like christina and i who grew up in the spirity culture but wanting to 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 give a biblical ethic around sexuality for our children but maybe not in the exact same way what advice would you give us yes um one of the i think one of the the biggest things about that, you know, teaching your children something is being able to deal with your own, um, you know, your own wounds from that first, right? Or yeah. at least be mm. wor be working on that at mm. the same time, uh, because I think we know, right? Kids pick up when you're trying to teach them something that you don't fully really believe yourself, right? Mm -hmm. Or it's like, you're not quite there yet, but I'm going <laughs> to tell you this because I, I I think it's true. Uh, I'm just still <laughs> figuring it out, right? So one of those things is really, and I, I think, so of course there is when there's specific trauma, right? That That is a big thing that needs to be worked through in healthy ways for healing in that area. Um, with Christians though, I think, as I already mentioned, one of those biggest things is really, you know, where, 
where does spirituality and my sexuality, what, what do I believe about that? And how does that fit into yeah. my life? Um, for us as parents, I think understanding that for ourselves is, is a big, um, a, a big first step in that. The, the second thing then I would say is, um, edu- you know, so the educating of yourself, right? So there's the healing part mm-hmm. and working through that. And then there is simply like, what do I wish I had? Uh, you know, what do I wish that I was taught when I was, when I was six, when I was, you know, starting puberty, when I was, you know, as a teenager, like looking at dating relationships, what do I wish? I, well, and as I got married, right? <laughs> as I went into marriage, what do I wish was um, was taught to me that I mm-hmm. later on was like, wait a minute, no one told me <laughs> about this. And mm-hmm. so um, what I think is really wonderful about, you know, how children develop is that we have these specific stages, right, that do give um, guidelines if, if we're looking at it. So in reality, sexuality starts with just our body, right? Like kids, they just, all they know is their body. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, being able to have those little conversations, the, the kind of awkward out of place questions that young children, especially will ask, you know, trying to, not react, you know, (laughs) trying to accept that and, um, have those like little conversations as they come up, right. If it's not the right time or place for the conversation, you know, trying to let them know that I, I, I would like to talk about this with you. Maybe we can do that when we get home. Right. Or, you know, Mm -hmm. however, however it's taught that is, you know, that is our first impressions really of, um, oh, I'm not supposed to talk about that, right? When we have those responses mm-hmm. of things that kind of innocently we bring up as children. Um, and sometimes, like, I think even like you said, Christina, sometimes there it's not any, anything that's said, right? It's it's what what is avoided, right? It's not right. talked about, mm-hmm. or maybe it's a, a look on the face, right? When we when we say something or do something and we and then we start to believe certain things. So, you know at a young age, it's, there's our, our body, right? Just talking about how God made our body and, and trying to be open to those questions so that as kids get older and the questions get harder, they, they know there's like, there's this habit, right? Like there's not even a question like, Oh, I'll just ask, I'll just ask mom or I'll I'll ask dad about this. Mm. Um, so that relationship, you know, that's built up already. I, I love that because when we think about parenting, Right. I mean, oftentimes it's we we would never want to say, hey, do what I say, not what Mm -hmm. I do. (laughs) Right. There's a hypocrisy to that. And as kids get older, they obviously see that. So being able to navigate first and foremost your views on this and coming to terms with how maybe purity culture has affected you as a parent directly or indirectly is huge. So when a parent then sits down and and they're like, yeah, you know what, let's let's talk about this because, yes, sex ed is happening in schools. But let me let me teach you about sexuality from a biblical perspective. Mm -hmm. And where where would you encourage them to start? So they've they've had the personal they've had the direct, you know, okay, I've dealt with this, but I where do I start with my kids? Yeah. 
Um, so this first suggestion is it'll be different with different, you know, different parents or relationship yeah. with kids, but you know, humility and vulnerability, I think go a long way in this when it, if a parent, if you are able to share even a little bit of, you know, this was my experience and, you know, this wasn't handled very well when I was growing up. Um, and, and I, I want to, you know, I, I want to learn how to do this better. Right. Or, or, mm. you know, I want to be able to explain that or walk through this with you. Um, you know, having some kind of, uh, anyway, I think that that can go a long way. Um, and then for, uh, if, if, if it's a biblical kind of, kind of view that you're looking for a kind of place to start, um, the, I think looking at, so purity, um, in the old Testament, right. Was, was all about being able to have the presence of God with you, mm-hmm. right. That, that was the, the, the purpose. And so the, you know, looking at the, the kind of those basic theological things, walking through that with teenagers, that is one of the big things that was missing in purity culture, right? There wasn't mm. the other, uh, the other theological teaching. It was a lot of just don't have sex that, that, you know, um, and that that's what was emphasized the most, but teaching about, so the, the temples, right? So the different ways that God w- was, was working to be with people and, and the ways that, you know, purity was a part of the, their, the way that they could be near God. And, and then, you know, continuing, right? Jesus, the, how that made Jesus coming so much more impactful. Um, you know, it's, it's even a conversation that can shed a new light for, for kids that have grown up as Christians mm-hmm. on, on really a deeper meaning of what it meant that Jesus came um, for, especially for Jewish people, that God's presence was in a body, right? It wasn't just in a temple. It wasn't separate, you know, and God's presence was walking up to people who were sinful and who, you know, they, they were not following the purity culture standards, the the people that Jesus chose to walk up to in love. Hmm. Um, And so being able to talk about what Jesus has done and, and, you know, what purity um, means in that, the the presence Mm -hmm. of God and, and really being able to emphasize the, that what, how their relationship with God is is settled in Christ mm. and that how, what they struggle through or work through these questions they have in their sexuality as they do that it's not going to undo anything that Christ has done right so i think mm. i think the theological side of that is is a is a big um a big thing to to teach um and then being able to look at um for so this is i mean in my in my research i studied more along with so women's impact right how women were impacted Mm -hmm. um and so this may be a little bit different if you're talking to a teenage boy but i think this is still it's still really good uh, information in this um the way so in scripture the way that um women that there's like a theological kind of trail with with women of um, going from Eve and just the ways that and Mary, right? So these women that were um, 
got chosen God's presence, that carried God's presence. Um, and how, so when you really get into the specifics of sex, right, obviously Song of Solomon, <laughs> that book, mm-hmm. right, it has a lot of levels, right, of, of meaning. So mm-hmm. that, I mean, for anyone, a parent who wants to go through like a, a, a really, you know, deeper study of here's where, here's where the Bible really talks about what sex can be and where it shows that it is a joyful thing mm-hmm. and that it's actually a picture of Christ and the and the church, right? Kind of showing, and I mean, you can do that in the most basic way of just the connection, mm-hmm. showing sex was meant to give a picture of this. It was meant to be a spiritual metaphor, um, you know, it, that just making that connection, or obviously you can go deeper into the the uh, the teachings of that mm-hmm. um and so that would be like biblical in a practical way with resources uh. the wait is over find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th dead sea squirrels book babylon breakout hi i'm mike naraki co-creator of veggie tales voice of larry the cucumber and author of the dead sea squirrels Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books, available wherever books are sold. As we start to wrap up Nadine you're talking about the shame factor of like healing your own shame and and helping your children not feel that shame so I'm just thinking about uh maybe some of our podcast family who um they found out their child is sexually active and they're right now feeling like well maybe I didn't do enough maybe I didn't talk to them enough or maybe I didn't talk to them at all and just feeling really like shame about that. And then um, how how do they, um, so what would you want to say to them? And also the second part of that question is how can they show the grace of God to their children, but not necessarily like condoning what they're doing, right? Because maybe they, do, they would rather their children not. I know it's their... It's every person's choice, but perhaps of like, hey, there's there may be a different way that that you can approach your your sexuality. So, what would you say to that? Yeah. Um, the first thing I would say is to just a reassurance of you know, no no matter what we how we raise our kids or the parenting we do, what we do or do not do. Um, you know, our children are individuals, right? And, and, and it can be too easy to get caught up in, oh, maybe I did something wrong. Um, but in reality, there, there is so, so many, right, influences, right? And, and our children, they, they do make their own choices as a part of that. Um, what I will say, but I think the encouragement in how to approach this is, um, you know, those those are the moments when um, kind of a critical moment, right? Where mm-hmm. the child, your teen, right? If they're going through something like that, they're they're probably very scared of how you will respond, right? Or yeah. w- if they will be rejected um, mm. in that. 
Um, and being able to look at this with, you know, trying to separate, like, like you said, right. Okay. This isn't ideally how we would want our, 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 our son or daughter to, um, you know, make these decisions. Um, but how, how can, how can we still show them that love and care, um, while we still have some honest conversations about, mm-hmm. you know, why, why, why we'd hope that it's different. And I think one of the biggest, um, gifts we can give our children is, especially as they're teenagers is to like remind, like to tell them, you know, you, you are your own person. So you, you do make your own decisions. Um, and, but this, this is what we, we want to offer you, right? This mm. is, this is, this is why we um, we believe that this is a, a more beneficial way to decide, and this is why we we're, we'd be concerned for you, right? We'd be worried about these things, um, and trying to trying to frame it less in a that's wrong, you know, mm. but more of a the the description of like this is why it, we're we're so we're concerned because we are we love you so yeah. much, um, and and we. So, and just giving that also, I think the support, um, that they feel safe talking to you, right. For them to, for to, you know, to be able to say something at the beginning, like, you know, we, we love you like no matter what. And Mm we, we just really want to help you through this. We want to be able to, um, you know, learn through this with you. Um, and so just so that they feel, feel safe, right. That they feel secure in sharing maybe maybe they did that and regretted it and and they agree that it's it was a bad decision right mm-hmm. but they're not going to say that right to <laughs> parents that are just wagging their finger and they feel like right. they're not supported mm-hmm. by right so being able to really yeah. surround your child trying to in, re reinforce your love for them and that you're supporting them but also here's, you know, here's where we're coming from in in the love for you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that approach because we all make mistakes, mm-hmm. right? And whether it's, it's in hurting a friend or hurting ourselves or, or misunderstanding someone or, or projecting our biases onto our kids. I mean, being able to come to our kids with empathy, with understanding, with the grace of Jesus and just coming to this place where, hey, I'm not an expert either, right? I mean, yes, when your kids are young, they think you're Superman, Superwoman, <laughs> but the older they get and by the time you're having these conversations, that's they know that you're not that way. And being able to come with humility to talk about to talk about sexuality, to talk about what they are going through and, and the thoughts and, and all that are going to be just so important. Nadine, you've, you've given us so many things to wrestle with, so many things to think through, both for all the parents listening and for future conversations. So we just so appreciate you, your time, and just the way that we are able to connect like this. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. With that. So if our podcast family would like to learn more about you or even like, hey, realizing that you do take clients uh, and maybe want to explore more about the shame that they feel in their own bodies, how can they find out more about you and how they can reach out to you? Yeah, easiest is uh, NadineCrane.com. So that's um, 
my website has my info and then how to contact me. Um, if they're on Instagram at ncrane counseling is the my I'm on Instagram most most of all in social media. So awesome. Fantastic. All right. Thank you, Nadine. Thank you. Y'all, I'm so thankful for Nadine and for what she shared with us today. Mm-hmm. It's such an important topic that isn't talked about enough because it can bring so much shame along with it. You know, I recall a friend who does premarital counseling share that the biggest trend she has noticed is that couples who grew up in purity culture feel really disappointed with their intimacy lives or having issues being intimate. It's no wonder this is the case if you've been raised to be completely disconnected from your body or being taught that your body is dangerous. If you are in this position, please know that there is hope and there is help. So in our show notes, we've included a link to help you find a Christian therapist in your area if this is something you'd like to explore. If you're in Canada, you can reach out to Nadine and she'd be honored to walk you through the journey of learning to be with your body again. For all the information and links to this episode, please go to inbetween.org slash episode 176. And if you know this episode would be helpful to a friend or family member, would you please take a moment to share? You can text them the link inbetween.org slash episode 176 or click the share button on your favorite podcasting app. So podcast family, with our year ending soon, this episode is the last one for the 2023 season. We really cannot thank you enough for tuning in, engaging with us on social media, and emailing us when you have questions. We are truly grateful for the podcast family that we have and are blessed to be journeying alongside y'all as we live, learn, laugh, and grow. We will be back in 2024 with more phenomenal episodes and interviews to help you build a marriage and family that you love. Be blessed. And Happy New Year.